Welcome to the Elite Life with Trisha and Kylie. This is where we'll teach you how to develop grit, give yourself grace, and succeed in real estate. So let's dive in. Welcome, 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 friends, to another episode of the Elite Life Podcast. I am Trish, and that's Kylie B. over there. And today we have a very special guest with us that we are super excited about. He is my go-to guy for all things related to money, financial strategies, and generational wealth building. Nick, welcome to the show. Say hello to our awesome listeners. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, so when I say Nick is a rock star, I am not at all joking. He is a certified financial planner and partner at the Center for Financial Planning. Um, It's a privately held wealth management firm founded in 1985 with offices in Southfield and Brighton, Michigan. The center currently serves nearly 1,000 mass affluent clients and manages nearly 1.5 billion in assets. I'm, I'm working it's towards those number. billion. A lot of zeros. Yeah. <laughs> Nick has been featured in Forbes Woo-woo. multiple times as a best-in-state next-generation advisor. And like I said, he's just a super all-around rock star. And I will say from chatting, like, he's also really nice. Just keep this going. I like this. I like this. Dude, you guys that are is, really pumping my tires. That today. is I like such it. an amazing uh, rundown of your, you know, of your successes. So I'm super that. excited. I was already picking his brain downstairs when we were um, getting coffee, and I was holding him hostage in the kitchen because he didn't know how to get up here. So I was like, <laughs> I saw I'm a lot of cars. I'm like, Am I at the right place? Right, but, and so, nobody can get setup. through the labyrinth house without guidance. So we, you know, we often say that the elite life. Podcast Podcast will help you build a life you love um, and leave a leg- help you leave a legacy that you know that you're proud of. And financial planning is an absolute must do. So uh, in this conversation, you know, it's going to be one that you're going to want to revisit and replay and take action with what we're going to go over over and over again. Because as you've heard us preach from the very beginning, consistency is key. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that um, our friend Nick here would second, third, fourth, and fifth that as well. So before we jump into all of the great, amazing things that you're going to share with us about building wealth, managing wealth, and all things money, um, tell us a little bit about... Oop, I didn't even take my own advice, so I'm not throwing my hands around. Tell us about where you're from, how you got here, and I specifically want to know if you have, you played sports when you were younger. Yeah, 100%. So, um, grew up in Livonia, Michigan, so not too far from here, maybe half hour or so from, half hour, 45 minutes away from Clarkston. Now live in Brighton, Uh, have been in Brighton for the last four years, lived there with uh, my beautiful wife, Robin, and our three kids. I have three kids. uh, eight and under, so or soon so to be eight and under, I should we're say. We're putting you on yeah. the prayer list. So uh, I'm in that crazy stage of life where every day is is chaos but fun all at the same time. But um, yeah, um, like I said, grew up in Livonia. Have kind of bounced around a, a little bit. Was in South Lyon for a little bit, but our home office is is in Southfield. We just opened up an office in Brighton, which I'm really happy and and excited for. We're working with a lot more clients, kind of on. Uh, what I like to say, kind of west of Novi. Yeah. And some of our my fellow partners are now living either in Howell, Brighton, uh, South Lyon, that area. So it's just, it's been wonderful, you know, having uh, having an additional space and get to connect with some additional people. So Nice. Yeah. Very good. Sports, I think you asked me about. Um, Only because all of the 
very successful people that we've had the blessing of speaking to, not all of them, but a great majority of them have said that they derived a lot of their discipline mm-hmm. and, and, and learning and, and, you know, core values from doing sports as, as, as a youth, as a kid, as a young adult. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I grew up playing hockey. There it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And people unite. Trisha and I have, have talked a lot about that. Intense, man. Yeah. Intense. Yeah. So much where I almost uh, kind of shy away from having my boys and, and my daughters even asked about about playing because it is it's a different dynamic, you know, in sure. the you know the competitiveness and whatnot. But uh, but no, grew up playing hockey. Um, stopped around high school ish, and then played in men's leagues with a lot of my buddies that I grew up playing with, and then you know usually. Uh, golf and hockey kind of goes hand in hand you know when you play play hockey you're almost an outcast if you're not swinging the stick so is that um, what we call happy gilmore syndrome yeah yes! <laughs> it could be it could be my golf swing looks like happy gilmore at half the time <laughs> wish i could hit the ball as far as him but um but no play golf and you know like i said played on men's leagues for a while and then you know once you start having kids those 10 11 o'clock games on a saturday or sunday just become a little unrealistic at least it was for me so um play golf and uh, avid bow hunter as well. So usually sp- this is kind of fun. Cause you know, before I, I hung them up, so to speak, you, you would have, you know, the fall, like late fall, early winter, you're playing hockey and then you're playing golf for a while. And then it kind of transitions into, into hunting season. So, mm-hmm. um, that's yeah. where I like to, to spend my time. And you're right. I mean, it's, you just learn so much from playing sports and my kids are in, in them now. And, um, you know, just the discipline and respect that you have to have for your teammates, your coach and, all these things. I mean, it, you know, and it's a balancing act because sports can be so damn competitive nowadays, but we don't want our kids sitting in front of the tablet or playing video games all day either. So it's been great for them and it was great for me too. Yeah. And I think so too, because like um, Casey got invited to join a gymnastics team and I was trying to explain to her the commitment that it takes to be part of a like a, a actual sports team. Like you're not missing, you know, you're not going up north to miss miss this, you know, these practices or this mm-hmm. or that. So I think that adds a lot to um, you know, the way that you operate as an adult, you know. 100%. Yeah, totally I think it teaches you a lot about sacrifice too. Like as Trent, I try to explain this to people, you know, and you kind of touched on it, like the dynamic that it brings. Like when I tell people like Trent didn't go to birthday parties, he didn't go to sleepovers, he didn't go to homecoming and prom, he didn't have like this like quote unquote like normal childhood. But to him, his childhood was very normal because all the boys that were on hockey were the same way. Like we're not, you know, going out and celebrating somebody's birthday because it's game day tomorrow. So we need to be focused. We need to be in the gym. We need to be drinking our water, getting our sleep in. And so it teaches you a lot about that sacrifice. And to him, none of it feels like sacrifice anymore. Like we were talking about before we got on the phone or we got on the podcast, um, going to the gym at 10 o'clock to him is just you're going to the gym at 10 o'clock. And I'm the same way. Like I post on Instagram the other day, like the day ain't over till it's all done and it's you know 938 and I'm in crunch before it closes and yeah and it's just part of the drill and they like gotta you drag it, you off the stairmaster <laughs> right it and I think you said it I mean it felt normal to him because you know big part of that probably was because he was surrounded by like-minded individuals right mm-hmm. so you surround yourself with people who have you know the the similar uh, motivation, discipline, et cetera, and usually good stuff happens. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's all about who you're surrounding yourself with. That's why I'm glad yeah. you're in my circle. Yeah. So tell us about how you got into this Oh, business. man, I'll yeah. try. It, it's that's kind the of... other thing. Everybody's like, I was going to be a doctor. I was going to be a mermaid, and here we are. Well, <laughs> I'll give you the, the kind of the boring or, or the um, 
I'll, I'll say somewhat surprising story where I was kind of a weirdo. I like to say where I knew what I wanted to do kind of early on. Oh, um, okay. I don't know. It's like weird. I want to play with money all day. I know. Yeah, just not count a bad my gig. pennies. Um, <laughs> maybe weird, blessed, lucky. I, I don't know. But um, I was always a pretty good saver as a kid. I mean, my my parents. Um, I didn't come from a high net worth family or things like that. Mom and dad did the best they could. Um, you know, earned a good living, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, middle class family, what have you, and so. Um, we had to be very disciplined with money. And so they, they instilled those values in me. My parents are, got divorced when I was a, at a very young age, but both had similar, you know, philosophies and values a, around money, I would say. And so, you know, early on, you know, I was that dork who was counting how much he had in the piggy bank and, you know, should I spend this on a toy? Should I, should I wait? Should I have that delayed gratification? So now trying to pass that on to my kids, it's harder now because you can get everything so darn quick. It's like yeah. you buy it on Amazon. It's like, poof, it's there the same day half the time. But um, that kind of led me into being very interested in, in finance when I graduated high school. And so I was going to go um, to Central, Central Michigan, after I graduated high school and then got some cold feet, I would say, you know, towards the end of senior year and ended up staying home, went to uh, Schoolcraft College for about two and a half years. And I look back at that and it was probably one of the best decisions that I made for myself. Um, like I said, I mean, we, we didn't have a ton of money saved for college. Um, that allowed me to go there uh, at a very cost effective, in a very cost effective way, not, not graduate with a mountain of, of debt. Um, and so I went there, started taking all the basic classes, et cetera. And then in the meantime, because I still had that interest in personal financial planning, um, ended up finding and connecting with a local office, a local firm, real small um, that did wealth management and kind of, if I remember correctly, I think I just walked in one day and was like, Hey, will you guys pay me like seven, eight bucks an hour to just do basically whatever. And they're like, yeah, we, we could, we could use some help. So, right. um, so I, I got brought on and I was doing everything like the lowest level intern that you can possibly manage was, was doing, you know, fetching coffee, picking up the phone, um, you know, just doing a lot of, th I think I even watered plants outside. I mean, it was like, I mean, I just did anything that they asked me to do, you know? Um, and, you know, you, you learn pretty quickly. All right. Some of the personalities here aren't necessarily what I want to have in, right. in the workforce. Grant, I was only, right. right. I mean, I was only 19 years old at yeah. that time. So part of that was probably on me, but um, <laughs> at the end of the day, it, it allowed me to um, you know, look at client statements and see, okay, what this says IRA on here. What, what the heck does that mean? A Roth IRA. So I would ask questions and, you know, I never sat in on any meetings at, at that age, but I, I, you know, always had, was always eavesdropping as I like to say, you know, yeah. listening to other advisors and absorbing. Yeah. I just, I tried to be a sponge as, as much as I could. Um, and then, so several years go by, I worked there, I worked there, you know, maybe 30 hours a week while I was going to school full time. And then would work there full time, you know, in the summer. And then ultimately, um, when I made the transition from Schoolcraft, went to Eastern to finish up my bachelor's degree in finance. So I commuted there as well. Um, worked there for a little bit and then ended up making a transition to uh, a large uh, national financial planning firm, Mercer Advisors. At the time, they had um, kind of an interesting business model where... They had this division very focused on dental practices, dentists. So they had this consulting division where you would have a consultant go in and they would, you know, analyze the practice and say, hey, if you do X, Y, Z, you're going to increase your efficiency and your productivity. And great news, we have this financial planning division 
that, you know, we can have come in and, and help you on the personal side, you know, because if you do this in your practice, it's obviously going to help on the personal side of things. So that was a great fit for me. I was sitting in on meetings and just doing a lot more in-depth work, I would yeah. say, you know, with clients and whatnot, still very much, uh, you know, learning and, and being a sponge. And, you know, so that was in, I think I got that job around like, I don't know, late 2007, I want to say. And then the financial crisis hits, you yeah. know, in, in 08. Mm-hmm. So I graduated college in, in December of 08. And I remember a couple of times talking to clients. I'm like, I have no business talking to you right now about your accounts and how they're down 40% because, you know, you have big banks collapsing and, and the housing market going to hell. So, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, looking back at that, it kind of forced me to be, uncom- you know, be comfortable with being uncomfortable, so yeah. to speak. And, and it just learned a ton. Um, unfortunately, because of what was going on, I ended up getting laid off there um, along with a couple other folks, just cost-cutting measures. I think that was in 09. Ended up going to another um, you know, large financial planning firm, more on the local area. Worked there for a good two and a half years. Got my CFP designation. Um, actually took the CFP the, the first time, failed it, which was really kind of a kick in the teeth for me because I, I never really... Um, you know, had to experience failure where it was like a real kick in the gut, you yeah. know, because I studied my butt off, I did all the right things, and it just didn't work out. Yeah. And so um, that that was tough. And I remember a couple times, you know, getting really down. I'm like, put all this work in, like, how the heck did I not pass this thing? Is this right? Is this the right field for me? And so you kind of have that pity party for a while. And you're like, okay, enough is enough, dust yourself off and, and let's get it done. So about a year and a half later, or not a year and a half later, excuse me, about a year later, I ended up taking it again because at the time they only offered it like a couple times throughout the year. And so ended up passing the exam, um, had a conversation with the partners at that firm and said, hey, I have my CFP designation now. I definitely want to do more with clients. What does the career path look like? And um, they just didn't really have one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, great people, wonderful practice, but um, just not a great long-term fit. Ultimately, that uh, allowed me to land at the Center for Financial Planning. And I had a couple connections there just from other positions. And just amazing how small, you know, the world is, if you will. So joined the center back in uh, July of 2013. And so I'm celebrating my 10-year anniversary and, and uh, at, at the firm and started as an associate financial planner and became a partner in, in 2020. And it's hands down the best decision, career decision that I've made. I mean, the center is just very much aligned with you know, my philosophy when it comes to investment management, uh, financial planning, and just the the culture that mm. we've, I, I think, done a heck of a job creating in our founding partners. The firm was founded in 1985, as you mentioned. Um, and pretty much since day one, it's it's been focused on making sure that we create a great culture that people want to be a part of. Because when people are, are happy, they're satisfied, they're bringing their best version of themselves to work. And that translates in, into how they serve yeah that is so good because we do the same thing at elite realty and sometimes you sometimes you have to you know what were we talking about interviewing agents and making sure that they understand what our culture is and just being okay with some people not being a good fit and making that decision like you just said it was the best thing that you could have done was finding a culture that fit you I love that so much. Yeah, yeah and it. and this isn't in our script, but like just to speak to what you said, like what 
when I was looking for a financial planner, um, and I think I mentioned this, Nick is my financial planner, uh, I knew nothing about anything. I'm like, I know everything about real estate. I can tell you, I said, but I know nothing. I don't need, what is financial planning, right? Like I was literally clueless. So it was a very humbling process for me to go through and try to interview people for an extremely important position, right, in your life. Like, hey, I'm giving you all my money and hoping you're like not a crook and you know what you're doing, (laughs) right? right? It's a leap of faith. Right. Yeah. And and it was like I'm I'm sitting on these Zooms for like hours and hours and hours. And everyone I would get off and I'd be like, uh. And then like Greg was like, oh, you need to talk to Nick, blah, blah, blah. And it I talked Greg. to him. Yeah. And I talked to Nick and it was like, it was such a breath of fresh air because it was like, here's a human that's talking to me like a human. And it's not just about my money. It's about him just helping me to understand like this is what it's all about in a very easy to understand way. And and what I love about like the company that you're at, the way that you mentioned, like everybody comes as them as their best selves. Like he has an assistant, Logan, and I love Logan and I love all these little things yep. that they do. Like they'll be they're so proactive. They're like, hey, um, it's, you know, six months in, like, let's have a call with Nick. And I'm like. Okay, because I don't know to ask for these calls, you know, and then they send me this little envelope of stuff like, hey, when you're on the call, here's a piece of paper and a pen so you can take notes and here's some tea so you can be calm and drink tea while you're like all these little things. We're telling you where all your money is going. Right. But like it's the stuff that we do at Elite Realty, right? Like cookies. Like today my clients are having a closing and they sent me a picture of their son grabbing cookies. They're like, first thing you did was come in and grab the cookies. Now, that's something that's so small. That we do that brings so much joy to so many people. Yeah. Eat some fresh baked cookies, it's, you know. You know, you want to create, and I appreciate the kind words. Um, you know, we we work really hard to you know constantly zoom out and say, okay, what's the client experience look like, right? Yes. Because it is more than just managing the wealth. I mean, these are long term relationships that we have with folks. I mean, um, financial planning in general, I mean, has retention rates ninety five percent and up. We track all this stuff. Usually we're very, very close to 99%. It's something we're really, really proud of. And you create those long-lasting relationships by all these little trust deposits or cool experiences that mm-hmm. hopefully you provide for people over time. Obviously, you got to do you got to do things right and, and grow the money. I mean, that's right. that's table stakes, but yeah. you know, long-term relationships just like I'm sure you guys have with clients, they come back to you, right? I mean, help them move in and then you know, several years down the line, they they want to you know take a look at what else is out there, and and they're the ones reaching out to to you you and your team to to help them with the next phase of life. So yeah, and I think that how you guys pay attention the details, like when Logan emails me or calls me, he'll be like, oh, like where's Trent playing for hockey today? How is Boston? Like he always like obviously they have a CRM and they're taking notes, but the point is they're yeah. doing those little things, right? Sure. Sure. So it makes me feel so comfortable that me, I'm a super control freak. In case nobody got that notice. <laughs> I never look at my app and I'm like, is my money up or down? Like literally never, ever open it until they'll be like, oh, you got a meeting. And I'm like, oh, I guess I should look and see what's going on, you know. But that's the level of trust that you guys have been able to build with somebody who's as crazy as I am. Well, I appreciate it. Maybe I haven't seen the total craziness yet. But uh, but no, I think I really do appreciate the kind words. And, and we want to, you know, the goal is. I want to handle this stuff for folks um, so you don't have to worry about it. Look, we, we want clients to be engaged and to know what's going on, but we want you to be able to go out on the boat on Memorial Day weekend or go to that hockey tournament for, for your son and, and to know that our team has it. You know, like one last thing that, that I have to worry about, we delegate it, people we trust, and, and it's taken 
care of. So. I love that so much. Yeah. Well, Nick has a lot more to unpack for us, but we are going to take a super quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. But don't move because he's going to give us some tips and tricks and amazing things that you need to know about financial planning. So sit tight. Do you know more than 80% of real estate agents fail and quit in their first year of business? MyStarsAcademy.com has set out to solve this problem by providing a convenient, expert-based training and coaching program for both agents and brokers. The Agent Accelerator program teaches agents everything they need to know to level up their business, have a constant flow of free leads, convert those leads into clients, and take those clients to the closing table and keep them coming back for more as repeat business. Our industry experts have years of proven success in the business and are here to share that gold through one-on-one -on -one coaching. This will help you achieve more structure and work-life balance. We will map you a plan you can follow, which will guide you through the steps to scale and grow in both your business and personal life. Don't be a statistic. Visit MyStarsAcademy.com and enroll today so you can get the success you deserve. And we're back with Nick talking all things money, how to get that money, keep that money, make that money. And, you know, everybody likes money, so I could talk about money all day long. And we're going to actually ask specific questions that we have lined up to ask so people can actually understand the ins and outs of financial planning and how to pick a good one for them. So number one, how does someone know, and this is a great question, how does someone know when it's the right time for them to get a financial planner? Like, should they have a certain amount saved in the bank or right. when is the right time? I love that question. Um, sooner the better, you know. And what I always like to say is if you do want to engage with a financial advisor to get that advice, it doesn't always mean that you need an ongoing relationship because ongoing relationships can can be expensive. And there are many firms out there, you know, just like any other firm, whether it's uh, law, accounting, real estate, they might have their own niche or they're working with clients at a certain asset level or what have you. So, um, but you know, there's no better time than now to at least have a conversation. It is very common for firms to say, you know, unless you have 500,000 or a million or $2 million saved up that we can manage for you, we're not a good fit. You know, I mean, that's, that's just reality. Um, and, and as our business has evolved, we've adopted that to a certain extent as well at different levels. But we ultimately want to take a look at long-term relationships with folks. So what I always like to say is if you're not sure, there's so many great resources out there. Like if you're just getting started and you haven't really saved a, a ton of money yet, but you know that this stuff is important and you need some advice and you just don't really know where to turn, there's this network called Garrett Planning Network. And I think very highly of them. They basically go on their website and they have a directory of all these highly qualified financial planners that will do hourly consultations. They'll work on an hourly basis because it's kind of hard to find, you know, a firm. I mean, candidly, our, our firm doesn't really do a lot of hourly consultations as the business has evolved and grown. Um, but there are things out there. And I love that model because oftentimes all someone needs is an hour of a professional's time. And they can map out exactly what you should be doing, send you a follow-up email, say, you need to be doing X, Y, Z. And that person's good for like two or three years, maybe even longer. Just and consistently that, executing those X, Y, Z. A hundred percent. And that might, you know, 250-ish an hour, two, 250 an hour. I mean, it's kind of the ballpark just to give your listeners an idea of, of what they might be looking at. So to pay someone 250, 300 bucks 
to really outline and map out a good plan is, I think, is invaluable. You don't always need that ongoing advice, I guess, is where I'm going with it. I love that. Yeah. I love that. And and that's the thing is like having a plan. One one word that I never used before I started like interviewing financial planners was strategy. The first guy I talked to was like, what's <laughs> your wealth word. strategy? And I'm like, Strat- strategy. To make all the money and put it in my bank account so I never have to be broke again. That's the strategy. <laughs> right. So that by the time. That's simple, dude. <laughs> yeah. By the time I had talked to Nick, I was like, just tell me what my strategy is and I'll do what you tell me. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. And that's. That's a popular buzzword or, you know, jargon sometimes, if, if you will, in, in our profession. But, I mean, the reality is you, you do need to have some sort of strategy, whether it's related to the investments, whether it's related to budgeting or your estate plan or, or taxes. It, it does. You need to have some sort of plan with it. So. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely got yeah. me thinking. Um, and then so like choosing a financial planner, I've yeah. obviously chatted about that. It, it can be very overwhelming with so many variables or mm-hmm. schools of thought or companies and people. Yeah. And um, I think I interviewed five different people. Um, but like what did you what do you feel like? Like how do people know like this is the right advisor for my needs and I know you already kind of mentioned like where does one look for or find a good advisor for their needs yeah another great question um what I always like to say you know talk to other professionals that you respect that are in your network so if you work with the CPA if you have a relationship with an attorney if if you work with the a great realtor team ask, ask them you know because that's a great starting place. So from there, if you get a couple names, you know, go to the CFP board, Certified Financial Planning Board of Standards. I'm a little bit biased. I have those the CFP designation. It means that I pass, you know, a 10-hour exam, then taken several years of, of courses to really, you know, dig super deep into the weeds on, on financial planning concepts. I would love to see everyone who is, you know, looking to engage with an advisor to ideally work with someone with those marks, whether it's with us or, or anybody, because it means that someone is very committed to their, to their education, uh, to growing their, their technical expertise, et cetera. And generally you need to uphold a fiduciary oath when you have the CFP, uh, CFP marks behind your name. And so if you go to the CFP board, you could search out, you know, advisors in your local area, It'll tell you how they're paid. Are they paid a commission? Are they paid a, a on a fee basis, retainer, hourly, you name it. It'll go into that detail. And then one of the other things I love about the CFP board, they've done a great job of outlining, here's the top 10 questions that you should ask an advisor when you're interviewing them. So beautiful. Right? And so, and this is coming straight from you know, one of the regulatory bodies that, that, you know, we, we have to have to work with as professionals. So, you know, how do you get, how does the advisor get paid? How, how frequent are, is my communication going to be? I mean, just like I said, it, it's eight to 10 questions. And if someone just prints that off and brings it in, which I've actually have had happen, I love it because it shows me that they they're committed and, and they're ready to, to take this stuff seriously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I love that. Um, what does your process look like? So people know like their expectations, because like I said, it can be it can feel a little scary. So like, what does the process look like? Like, how do you dig into your clients lives and their businesses to help them find the best strategy yeah, for them? Right. hundred percent. So when someone initially reaches out, you know, we always do a 30 to 60 minute, you know, con- conversation totally free of charge. I always like to say it's kind of a kick the tires meeting just to kind of get to know them and what's important to them, what what are they looking for, um, things of that nature. Because just as much as we want 
that individual or that couple to, to see if we're a good fit, we want to make sure that we're a good fit for them, right? Mm-hmm. If we're going to charge a fee and we're going to have this long-term relationship, which is what we're seeking out, we want to make sure we're well aligned with, um, you know, expectations and, and all the different things that go into a long, long-term relationship. So, so that, that's number one, right? And if we think that we could be a good fit, we have maybe one other conversation and then other situations, clients say, no, we're, we're ready to go right away. You know, it's just kind of, we'll meet people where they are. Um, and then from there, if someone, you know, commits, they, they want to move forward as a client. A lot of times what we'll do, um, I'm a big fan of financial planning over time. And so when I say that, I would say earlier on in my career, um, you know, I would, when new clients would come on, we would have them complete, you know, this big time questionnaire, have them send us a bunch of documentation almost like you're applying for a mortgage to a certain mm-hmm. extent, maybe even even more than that. And that that still works. I do that on occasion. Um, but in my experience, it can be a little overwhelming, yeah. right? And yeah. so um, what I like to do with folks is, is create almost say a now, soon, later list and say, okay, here's the top 10 things that you want to accomplish or that we identify are important to take care of. But guess what? We don't need to accomplish all 10 things. I do this with my wife at times. I'm like, <laughs> these are all great ideas, but we don't have capacity to do all of them, right? So like what's important right now that we can knock out today and the soon, you know, maybe in a week. And then the later is like still not discounting the importance of whatever that item is. But if we drop everything and have to do everything at once, guess what will get done? Nothing. Because it just becomes too overwhelming. So We'll go through that process. And, and sometimes that, you know, we, we attack all these different items for folks. And usually within a year, year and a half, we pretty much have most things, you know, pretty dialed in for them. And then life happens and, you know, they change jobs or they move or they have a child or they get divorced or, or sadly, you know, a spouse passes away. Life happens and it's always happening. And so, um, you know, having that long-term relationship with folks to help them through those transitions is huge because when they come up, not if they come up, but when they come up, you, you got to have somebody in your corner helping you with this stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's that ongoing, you know, maintenance of the accounts, um, helping, you know, helping to grow the assets, loss change. I mean, tax laws and, and retirement laws have, I mean, literally almost every single year for the past five years, something has been adjusted. So um, just a lot of things that go beyond the scene or go, go on behind the scenes that I'll say to make sure that um, you know, we're guiding your financial plan in the right direction than being for you when when life happens and when it comes up. Yeah, I don't know what kind of person would just go and buy a house after the strategy is all made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I Logan, know someone by who the did way. That. Would that be Trisha? <laughs> well, that brings us to our next question. Um, what are some of the challenges that you find? Some of like, you know how we have frequently asked questions. What are the most frequent challenges that you run into when it comes to working with your clients who have you know, financial planning programs. Yeah. Yeah. Some challenges. It's, it's fair. It's, I I think in many cases it's trying to juggle and balance, okay, here are the goals, but you know, at the end of the day, I mean, our our clients that we generally work with, they're in a a solid income, you know, and they have the, the capacity to say, but at the end of the day, there's only so much that you can fill in these different buckets. Right. And so do I save X amount for retirement? Or do I save a little bit less for that and put a little bit more in the kids' college accounts or grandkids' college accounts? Or, you know, do I save a little bit less in retirement and save a little bit more for these near-term goals? So, um, you know, I think there's a stigma to a certain extent in our profession where only uh, financial advisors are only talking about retirement. 
And I, I'm sure there's plenty of advisors out there that do, but you know, our team's goal is to help people live great lives and fulfilling lives now and in retirement. And sometimes that means maybe we don't have you put quite as much in the retirement accounts because what's really important to you is to make sure that we fully fund the kids' college. That might have some consequence, right? consequences maybe isn't the right word, but some ramifications. Maybe that means you got to work a year longer or two years longer. But if we're all on the same page, I'm not here to judge and say, you shouldn't do that. Retire two years earlier. Kids can do it on their own. That that's not that's not my job. That that's a family's job to or or individual's job to determine how they prioritize that goal. We'll be the sounding board, but that can be a challenge, you know, of just saying, well, something's got to give here. We can't we can't do it all. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It's kind of I feel like all of us in these service industries, you know, these professional service industries, we all have the same conversations, regardless of whether we're doing financial planning or we're doing mortgages or we're doing real estate or whatever title work. You know, we have to have these hard conversations. And I always tell my clients that, you know, I'm here to give you all the information you need to make the best decision for you. But sometimes mm -hmm. like we were talking before, and I'm sure you have to do the same thing is you know, when they say, oh, we want to go off on this path, you say, well, Gerald, you said, you know, last month when we had our check-in that these things were the most important things to you. And if you go down this path, these b buckets, right. so to speak, are not getting filled. So just so you know, like, I'm happy to help you fill this other bucket if that's most important. I'm glad that, you know, you shared that with me. But remind yeah. being able to yep. listen mm -hmm. and remind people of what they said, because like, like we've talked about, life gets really busy and it changes so quickly. And so your priorities might also change so quickly. Yeah. And I think everybody, like you just said, priorities, like that's the big word, right? Like yeah. that was, I think, a challenge for me when I was talking to you and other people. They Everybody always asks the question first, when do you want to retire? And I'm like, never retire like that just right. has never been a thought in my mind it's just is like retirement. i'm gonna die during a showing yeah <laughs> like i'm gonna be in my car at 105 and then just not get out i don't know like my <laughs> might be tough to step out of that car so yeah i mean my goal is just that when i'm gone i want everybody to like not have to worry right so like that has that has to be challenging when you get somebody like me who's like yeah i don't i don't have that plan at all my That's plans are just totally different me. i'm never retiring right yeah. exactly. so it's, it's helping them to though I think you did a great job of like helping them to envision like but what if like what if you know you can't drive anymore and can't see to drive and so you're not yep. in real estate like helping Hopefully them to Uber's think outside their box because yeah. Trisha's doing real estate yeah and we have a lot of because a lot of our clients I mean they and we have some who you know we're in very physical demanding jobs but the mo for the most part um, I would say more of your white collar pr professions, right? So not incredibly physically demanding. So you can, I mean, mentally, certainly some days can't <laughs> yeah, discount that, sure. but, uh, that, that's a biggie. But, um, you know, in, in, in terms of being able to do this for longer, longer periods of time, I mean, the average age of a financial advisor is like 56, 57 years old. I mean, there's countless advisors who are in their seventies and eighties who are still working. That's all well and good, but we want to be able to have people or clients say, I can retire, I'm working because I want to, mm -hmm. not because I have to. So that goal, we could still hit that and say, look, Trisha, she's never gonna retire, but we wanna make sure that you're in a position where you can retire at the time that you want, if 
for some reason, the goals change. You yeah. I mean? Yeah. I think you were like, well, what if you just want to take a year and just like travel around or something? What if you just want to yeah. relax for one year? What mm-hmm. if? Like, Trisha never relaxes. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> never. Although this morning you were super relaxed when I came and I was like, what up, B? Let's record some stuff today. <laughs> and I was looking at the like she drinking was coffee so, and she's like, yeah, are you okay? Like, she was so tranquil. She energy. was like, I got Pastor Stephen Furtick and I am absorbing the word of God and here you come. <laughs> like a rock in a tranquil pond. <laughs> yeah. She was you were her alarm clock this morning then. Oh I don't know if anyone can be her alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. enough. All right. So what are what are some of the steps that people can take to improve their financial situation? Because this is something everybody's always working. Yeah. Writing notes on this. I have five dollars in the bank account. So let's go. (laughs) I'll give our I'll I'll do a shameless plug. I mean, go to our website, centerfinplan.com. We have so many resources. So whether it's on our website or you go to the CFP board's website or you read a couple great, you know, books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad is is one that sticks out, you know, just making sure that you educate yourself. It's fine if if you don't know anything about finance. Like there's plenty of things, actually most things that I'm not very good at and and I'm okay with that. But, you know, either you hire someone or you got to do a little bit of digging on your own. You know, I've done home projects before. I'm, I'm definitely not the most handy individual in the world, but I can figure out minor stuff. And it's like, you know, you go to YouTube, you look at videos, you talk to people, et cetera. And before you know it, not that you're an expert, but you gain some knowledge, you know? So our website, I, I think is a wonderful place to check out. Um, some books, like I just said, like rich, bad, rich dad, poor dad is a great one just about building wealth and kind of what that process uh, can look like over time. Um, the CFP board website, I, I think is wonderful as well. Um, you know, just be careful. I mean, if you're, if you're going on social media or, or Instagram or, you know, you're, there's a lot of people out there now who claim to be financial experts uh, and they're not. And half the time they're actually breaking some regulatory rules by, you know, giving that advice and not being licensed and, and just, you know, just because people have a lot of followers doesn't always mean that uh, they're the most, uh, you know, the best resource, if you will. Sometimes right. they are, but you guys get what I'm where I'm going with that. That's a good. That's a good. Uh, we were talking about questions to you know to ask your financial planner, and I think when we were talking about this at one point, you were like. I just want to ask them, like, what does your money look like? What are you doing with your money? Because mm-hmm. you know, if his is all set, yours is going to be all set. I did ask like, that. Yeah. That you was did. one of the questions yeah. I asked. That's, was like, how much money do you have in your your yeah. stocks and portfolios and all of that and, stuff? Yeah. And you're totally right. I was listening to Matt Walsh, and he was like, I don't understand these people who take relationship advice from someone who's not in a successful relationship. Yeah. How are you going to give marriage advice when you've never been married? In fact, all of your relationships have failed. You live in your mom's basement and you sleep with a cat. Yeah, right. that that was yeah. I took uh Trent to Chase Bank. So cuz I was like I was doing something myself and they and they were like, "Oh, listen to this financial planner." And I'm like, "Okay." And so she it was a young girl and she's going on and on bless her heart, but yeah. she had a very like aggressive, aggr- just so aggressive. And I'm like, "Really? How much do you save? How much do you have saved and how much is in your accounts?" And like we left and Trent's like, "I can't believe you just asked her that." Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> "It's a valid like, question." Do you feel like that's a fair question? Um, um, I, in terms of, how, well, I, it might be a little, I don't distinctly remember that question that you gave me. I, I may, maybe I, I danced around it a little bit. It might be, some might view that as, as off-putting and in terms of how much you've, you've saved, maybe, maybe getting a little bit personal, but I think, you know, it's a fair question to ask 
you know, how is your money allocated? Is yeah. it would do we have our you know, are, do you have all your money in cryptocurrency? Right. And you're telling me to be in, in a dis clean, diversified portfolio. Right. So I think advisors um, need to eat their own cooking. Right. Yeah. And and they Ooh, need- I love that. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, you know, you want to make sure that you you have someone trustworthy. You don't want to be working with someone who's filed bankruptcy and, and things of that nature in a, in a perfect world. I mean, people make they change their lives and things like that. But, you know, the CFP board, I keep coming back to that, but um, the CFP board does a wonderful job of, of tracking. I mean, each and every year when I renew my license, I have to attest that, you know, I haven't been arrested and I haven't filed for bankruptcy and all these things because there are some bad apples out there, right? And you want to make sure that you do a little bit of digging. I mean, you can find anything on, on anybody these days Ain't with Google, the right? Yeah. So yeah. just making sure that, you know, you... Um, you're with someone who has a clean record, if you will, in the profession, yeah. I think is, is key. And there's plenty of resources out there that you can go to to make sure that you're aligning with someone who's who's trustworthy. Yeah. I may have only asked her the question because she was just saying crazy <laughs> stuff. Like, I tell people to put all my money in, you know, crumble cookie. And I'm like, really, how much money do you have in crumble cookie? Yeah. Although crumble cookie's a good one. That I, might be a good one right I now. They can have all my money. I'll tell you that right now. I think that's a fair question. I mean, like, because at, at you know, at, at the at its crux, you're just looking to make sure. Keep coming back to that. That someone's eating their own cooking. I mean, yeah. our broker, dealer, and custodian is, is Raymond James, and you know, every single one of our team members has accounts at at Raymond James and or through Raymond James, and we, we utilize the same investment strategy even in our 401k plan. So it all comes back to that. If someone's just giving you a line of BS on how to invest some money. You know, usually you can kind of sniff that out pretty quickly, but asking the question how they allocate their funds, I think is a fair question to, to pose. I just picture you asking that question to people, and it's like that scene from The Office where Dwight is standing there with uh, with the, the CEO of uh, Dunder Mifflin, and they're at a house party, and Dwight's like, so how much did you pay for this house? <laughs> and everybody's like, my God. Shut up, Dwight. And then Michael's like, so how much you make every year? 500000 600000 How much money do you make a year after tax? Yeah. 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 That was crazy. I mm-hmm. love that. Story. I like to have money talk sometimes because it just throws people off. They're like, oh, yeah. really? I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'll, sh- I'll show you my tax People so don't. I don't care. People don't talk about money because, number one, um, like the way that we grew up, our parents were pretty blue collar. So money was just money. And it was not something that like they talked about it was something that they worked for and they needed and they paid their bills and if we save some shit we'll be lucky you know but a lot of our parents had you know pensions and things like that through ford or gm or you know whatever Mm -hmm. so this is like all new i'm just in the boat with you like where you were at this is Mm -hmm. all new space all new space and i think that if we open up the conversation more people will feel less off put when it comes to people just asking questions about money and investing money or not feeling like a dum-dum when they just don't know yeah Yeah. and i like to normalize it too because like kids right like we didn't get that as children there was no allowance at my house yeah that's why i take trent with me if i'm having a he had a conversation with you trent had a conversation with nick right i'm like hey like let's Mm -hmm. learn about these things because also because he expressed interest right like he likes saving and he like i don't know any other kids that can just have like this giant chunk of money chilling in their bank and he leaves it chilling he'll be like mom will you venmo my goalie coach i'm like why don't you venmo your goalie coach and he's like because i'm saving that money and i'm like okay like you got to respect the save right yeah i mean and that's great and and you want to keep that forward progress going because if you can 
adopt those good habits at a young age, it, it definitely makes, you know, the middle and latter half of, of your career a little bit easier. Yeah. Know? Yeah, yep. for sure. So. For sure. So can you explain like the different types of investment options available mm-hmm. to people? Because yeah. like you said, when people start saying these letters and stuff, you're like, I don't I don't know what that means. Right, right. No, for sure. So um, most of the the investments that our team is focused in on are mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, or ETFs. Sometimes you, you hear that acronym. Um, we like to use a combination of, you know, really low cost, um, you know, index funds. And then maybe there's a couple other positions that try to, you know, beat a particular part of the market. But generally those funds can be, those mutual funds can be a little bit more expensive. So we just want to be really intentional on how we're ultimately using those because we don't mind paying a fee as long as something's generating value. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Individual stocks and individual bonds. We do some of that work as, as well. Um, generally for clients who are a little bit higher net worth and can avoid it or can, um, I should say, um, can afford to take on a little bit more risk and, and they want that sort of exposure. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of um, advisors out there who might be pushing, um, you know, annuities or these um, fancy life insurance policies. And, you know, those those sort of products, in my experience, um oftentimes benefit the advisor <laughs> with the commission. It's not to say all of them are bad because I I've I have certainly implemented a few of those sort of um, you know, uh, instruments in client portfolios over the years, but there just seems to be a trend with that. And then you look at things and you're like, you know what, um, this benefits the advisor, not so much uh the client, you know. Mm-hmm. So um you really can keep things simple, to be honest with you. You can create a really nice diversified well-oiled machine with the portfolio and not have to get overly fancy. I love that. I love that. So let's take one more pause and we will be back with some more amazing questions because we have all of these amazing questions and I'm just absorbing it all. Look at I'm taking We're learning. We're learning. (laughs) We're learning. Learning and growing. Yes. Come back to the show so that you can grow. Thinking of selling your home? Call Elite Realty. Thinking of buying a home? Call Elite Realty. Don't settle for average when you can have Elite. You've seen the signs, heard the commercials. Stop waiting. Call today. 844-LET'S-BUY. Buying or selling? Elite Realty will save you time and money. And when you buy or sell a home with Elite, I will personally cover the home warranty, home inspection, or appraisal cost, but only for a limited time. Call 844-LET'S-BUY. That's 844-LET'S-BUY. Don't settle for average when you can have Elite. 844-LET'S-BUY. Some restrictions may apply. Let's talk about that. (laughs) Let us talk about that. So uh, what are the one question that I um, that I had circled? Well, one Mm -hmm. of the questions, um, what are some key factors to consider when developing a retirement plan? Because that's where I'm at. I'm going to be I'm going to be 29 again for like the fifth or sixth time. So um, I'm at this space. My husband was in auto manufacturing, yep. so he's got a retirement plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have one. Okay. So fill me in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind, it was the question, what are some, read it back to high level one, one more time Hold for me if, if you don't mind. Hold on. Yeah. We can't have the beeping happen. Oh, that threw me off. I know. Sorry. Dave didn't reset the clock. Is this the clock? I don't know. See, people want me to delegate, and then yeah. I don't know how to do the thing I that I delegate. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm like, if Kim ever quits, Elite's getting shut down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where how to go from there. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. Right. You want to start over? And we're back. Yeah, let's start over. Go ahead. 
And we're back talking with Nick from the Center of Financial Planning, talking all things money. <laughs> and as someone who is going to be 29 for the fourth or fifth time this year, I would like to know what are some of the common finding. Uh, not that's not the question I had. I circled this one. What are some, what are some things to consider when we're talking about developing a retirement plan? Because that's something yeah. I know I need to start investing in and getting set up because one day. I will be old. Yeah, I, unlike, we don't have realtor 401ks. Unlike yeah. some people, I would like to retire. Yeah. So right, fill right. me in. Yeah, I think time horizon is is going to be, you know, right up there. So, you know, you're 29. So yes. you're, you're a little bit uh, out from retirement still. Um, so in theory, you know, textbooks would say you want to have the money invested pretty aggressively, have more stock exposure, right? Whether that's in individual stocks or... Uh, stock mutual funds or stock ETFs, like I mentioned earlier, that sort of thing. The types of accounts too really matter. You okay. know, sometimes when you know you're just getting started, or maybe you actually have a year where the income falls a little bit, you might strongly consider looking at something like a Roth IRA because when you put money in a Roth IRA, you don't get a tax deduction when the money goes in, but from that point forward, it grows tax deferred, and then when you pull the money out after 59 and a half, it's tax free. Okay. okay. So you don't get this immediate tax benefit by putting money in, but if you're already in a low bracket because maybe you're just getting going in your career or your income dropped off for whatever reason, could make sense to do that. And then, you know, if you're in more of those higher earning years, you know, SEP IRAs are really popular for those who are um, who are in your guys' field. Solo 401k, simple IRA, depending on, you know, the, the size of, of the organization. Um, generally, the money goes into those sort of plans pre-tax. So you get a tax deduction when the money goes in, grows tax deferred. But when you pull the money out at 50, after 59 and a half, hopefully, that way you're not paying any penalties, it's taxable to you. But hopefully at that point in time, you're in a lower bracket. So you got this tax deduction while you're in this higher bracket, and then you pull the money out at a lower bracket. So it's that tax arbitrage is, is the fancy word for it, the tax differential, if, if you will. So the types of accounts and the time horizon, I, I would say, are, are two, two biggies that we would want to take a look at. All right. So another thing that I've been thinking about, because um, we have the three kids, we've got all the things, we're doing yep. the stuff kind of in the same boat as you. Cool. Um, tell me, how important is it to have an emergency fund? What should someone mm. consider when setting this up? How much should we have in there? Yeah. Fill yeah. me in on that. I think, you know, having that emergency fund is really the foundation of any quality financial plan is kind of how I like to frame it. Um, if you don't have that, you probably shouldn't be saving into a 529 plan. You probably shouldn't be saving all that much towards retirement because if something happens, you know, your, your car breaks down, you lose your job, that deal that you thought was going to go through doesn't go through, how are you going to pay your bills? And mm -hmm. so, you know, the general rule of thumb is three to six months of expenses, not income, Okay. So three to six months of expenses that you want to keep very liquid that should not be invested in the stock market, very conservative, maybe in a, you know, money market fund, which now are, are paying decent yields. Uh, you know, it's not uncommon to see four to five percent right now because interest rates have gone up so much. Um, but you want to keep that money very conservative. If your income is variable um, in many in many cases, obviously, in the profession that you ladies are in, income can kind of go up and down. Right. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So six to 12 months in a perfect world would be the target. OK, because you do have that variability of of uh, of income. So um, so we you, better get saving is yeah. what he's saying. Ooh, snap. If you uh. don't have that, it's just you're going to be you're going to be stressed. 
Yeah. And, and in my experience, clients who have that amount of cash or even sometimes a little bit more, yeah, they might not eke out quite as much rate of return, but it helps them pass the pillow test. And, and when I when I say that, it, it makes them sleep well at night. Mm. Um, so cash is never a bad thing. And I, I have no issue telling a client, look, you, you actually have way too much cash. This is harming your financial plan. We got to put some of this stuff to work. But, um, you know, especially when income is variable, having a little bit there in the checking and savings, never a bad idea. Awesome. Yeah. yeah and you mentioned inflation. So like yeah. that's that's a big thing right now, right? Can mm-hmm. you kind of discuss the impact of inflation and interest rates on like the investments and retirement planning right yeah. now? Yeah. Yep. 100%. So what I always like to say is, is you don't fight inflation with bonds because bonds are meant to be more of your conservative component in the portfolio, meant to be your insurance policy, if you will. You have to have stock exposure in many cases to try to combat that inflation, right? Um, So that's kind of looking at things from an investment standpoint. Um, The Federal Reserve over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months has, has certainly aggressively raised interest rates. And it takes time for those, for those um, increases to really filter through to the economy. And so what is encouraging, you're starting to see inflation come down from, from its peak. It's actually come down quite a bit. Although, I don't know, my groceries bills are still about the same as they were about a, a year ago, if not more. Maybe that's just because my kids are getting bigger. Um, but, you know, that those are things that y- you have to take a peek at. And, and it's prompted a lot of clients. It's prompted, you know, my family to take a closer look at our budget to make sure that we have a good grasp on, on where the money's going. Um, so those are just a couple things that, that come to mind, you know, but it is encouraging to, to starting to see them, see it come down. And if I'm a betting man, um, I would say you're probably looking at early 2024, where you start to see the federal reserve start to reduce interest rates. They, they really want to make darn sure that inflation is down and it's, it's staying that way because, you know, three, four decades ago, the Federal Reserve made a mistake where they ultimately took took the foot off the gas a little bit on, on the raising of rates, and and it caused more damage than 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 it uh, than it should have. I should say. Sorry, I got a little tongue tied there, but um, good progress is being made from what it looks like in the on the inflation side. That's of encouraging because I think we hear only the negative side, which is interest rates, interest rates, interest rates. Right. So having somebody um, at your stature and level say, "Hey, guys." good is coming from yeah, this, I think is, is so important. We're, we're all like that little cat on the branch. Yeah. yeah. Just hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> just hanging in there and hoping that a typhoon doesn't come through. That's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, but speaking of our listeners, a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, real estate agents. Mm. They own their own businesses. Yeah. And we always like to know and share what are some tools that you use or some software that you invest in that make your that allow you to work smarter and not harder? Yeah, I, I love that because I I'm a, a sucker for you know productivity and inefficiency hacks. So our business has been this at the center. We've been uh, using and have adopted the entrepreneurial operating system or EOS. Have you guys ever heard of that? By chance, does that come to mind? EOS at ringing a bell. So it's it's become pretty popular. We've used it, like I said, now for a good 10, 12 years. And the whole concept of, of EOS is, you know, most businesses, it's hard to have a lot of control over things because you're always dealing with things like the emails or something breaks or, you know, you're, you're putting out a fire that it's hard to gain a lot of traction on the business. And there's actually a book uh, that uh, was written called Traction. And the gentleman who wrote it, Gino Wickman, fantastic book, highly recommend that everyone check that out. And he derived this whole entrepreneurial operating system. And so our firm uses that. I use it personally with some of the goals that I have. Our firm 
has um, you know several tools that we utilize through EOS, one called the VTO, Vision Traction Organizer. And on that one-page document, you have your core values of the firm, you have your, um, your mission, you have your one-year goals, your three-year goals, and your 10-year goals, and your marketing strategy at, at, a, at a very high level. And so that VTO should really be the guiding document for most of the decisions that you're making. It helps you, ha- you know, gain a lot of clarity and stay focused. And those one, three, 10 year goals, oftentimes, you know, they're really far away and you need to be doing a lot of things in the meantime to achieve those goals. And that's where rocks come in. And rocks, if, if you've ever read Seven Habits, Highly Effective People, that, that whole concept comes up as well of really trying to focus in on things from a quarterly, on a quarterly basis. You know, what's one or two big things that we can try to accomplish either individually or as a group? That's going to help us move towards the direction to either achieve those one, three, 10 year goals. But if you don't break it up in quarterly chunks, it just becomes so darn you know overwhelming that you just never gain that traction, right? And so the VTO is just is huge. And then the other plug that I'll make um, uh, a tool or um, strategy with uh, with EOS is a called a level 10 meeting. And so I'm sure we've all been in meetings before um, where they're just, they're not going anywhere. You're pulling your hair out. You're like, why the hell am I here still? I love you know, level 10 meetings. I hate meetings. Yeah. All meetings, I hate them. And so- I like them if they're productive. That's And that's what the book will, will tell you. I hate meetings that aren't productive. Yeah. They make me insane. I've been in a few recently and I'm just- looking at Trisha like, okay, I need you to grab the reins here and take control and tell us what our action right. steps are so we can all go home. And mm-hmm. so people, what the book would say is meetings are bad, but there's bad meetings, mm-hmm. right? And so how do you make them good? And, and it lays out, I, I could probably spend 20 minutes talking about it, but I'll, say, I'll save you the breath. But go online, check it out, level 10 meeting. Um, there can There's like a two minute YouTube video about it on how those are structured, on how you can be very focused, still check in and be a human with the yeah. folks that, that you're meeting with, but be we very intense. care about the people yeah. that we're working with. <laughs> it does help from what I, from oh, what I've heard. Feelings. Um, but, uh, but it helps you really keep on track and, and you walk out of there knowing what the action items are, who's accountable for them and there's clarity. So EOS, uh, the book traction is just our firm's Bible, I would say. And, and it really has helped us move the needle on some aggressive goals and, um, I can't imagine not having it in our practice. Well, I know what I'll be downloading on Audible after this is over. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> check it out. It's a good one. The what? Traction. Okay, I was like, we read the Atomic Habits. We read that one. Yes, we have read that one. Yep, Traction. A, no, I wrote it down. Ha-ha, I wrote it down before you. Yeah. <laughs> she beat you to it. Well, are you looking yeah. up Level Ten Meeting too? Because I, I know my that. expectation is every every meeting I walk into is now going to be a Level Ten Meeting. I know yeah. what Level Ten. Thank you for setting your standards. Already, yeah, I am already on top of that, madam. All over it. Um. Okay. So let's dig into. A really great question that I just love. If you weren't doing this, what would you be doing? Oh my gosh. It's such a good question. I I have no idea. It's hard to, it's, I mean, if you would have asked me maybe like 10, 15 years ago, I'd, pr- I'd probably say- Playing hockey. You know, yeah, still living the dream, you know, busting eight hours to go play for a hundred bucks a night. No, um, you know, some sort of office job. But, you know, now that I've been- in um, you know a role where you know part of my uh, part of my job is to develop new client relationships, and I love it because when you come at it from 
from an area of you truly want to help people and you know most people out there are getting crappy advice and they know if they work with you and your team, they're going to do well. Um, so when you go into it with that mindset of just wanting to genuinely help people, you know, good things happen. And so I would probably be in some sort of role where there's a lot of human interaction. I'm, I'm not in an office, you know, uh, all 40, 45 hours a week, certainly that you have to have some of that, but getting out of the office, doing things like this, um, you know, meeting clients out for lunch or doing a speaking engagement where I get to educate folks, you know, may, it might not be on finance, on finances, but it could be on something else out there that I'm trying to, you know, to solve a problem for someone, if that makes sense. You want to be a realtor. That's yeah, what I'm that that could that I'm could be. I'm hearing that you're hired. That, well, that could today. be. Here's the thing, though. I think that there's this perception of office jobs and where it's like Joe in the volcano, where you're just in a basement with fluorescent lighting, just banging it out for eight straight hours. You go home and that's your life. Right. Very gray. And it's really not. And that's what I, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I love that about our industry is like, we're doing something different every day. We're meeting people from all walks of life that we never, we never otherwise would have uh, connected with, you know, yep. and being able to, and Trish and I talk about this a lot. You're literally changing people's lives. Yeah. 100%. 100%. And when you mentioned that movie, I just like office space clicked in my head where he's like, yeah, I just sit here and I kind of zone out for 17 hours. Yeah. And- yeah. You're just a, just a robot. Yeah. Listen, I mean, Bob. <laughs> you know, you guys, I mean, you see it, you make the impact on, on people and there's so many different ways that you can do that, you know, a specific industry or, or service isn't coming to mind immediately, but it would have to be something like that for me. Um, yeah. And like speaking of that, I you skipped this question, but I want to ask it because I'm an action step person. If you could give all the people listening today yep. three action steps or tips for marketing, client service, you know, something that they could implement in their business today, what would they be? Yeah. Or even um, just to make a better life. What are three sure. action steps we can three, give our people? Three action steps. Got to make sure I give you three. Um, I always like to say the best form of marketing is taking really good care of your existing clients and wowing them. Um, you know, so what does that mean? Um, you know, it's going to look and feel differently for everybody, depending on on the profession that, that they're involved in. Um, our firm is really no different than many other financial planning firms out there. If you look at the data, you know, about 60, 70, 60 to 70% of our new clients that we have the pleasure of serving come from introductions from existing clients. So, you know, yeah, it, it's great to network and have meetings with other professionals and, and that does generate business. But look, at the end of the day, if, if you're not taking really good care of your existing clients, you're not going to be very successful in marketing or growing your business, right? Mm-hmm. So that's going to look and feel different for, for everybody. Um, you know, uh, a stop doing list for me has become... Um, stop doing. Yeah, has been like a glorious exercise that I'd like to go through every six to 12 months of just, look, what are the things that I find that I'm the tasks and I'm doing that I'm not either, I'm not adding value in or I absolutely hate doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and how Laundry. can I... Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So stop doing let's do a lot and get the, you know, hire someone to, to help you with that. Right. Or hire one of your kids. You got three kids, you know, right. just don't pay them an allowance. Like, I will feed you breakfast. Yeah. If you the laundry. <laughs> or you can niece, nephew, them. cousin, anybody. There's people that need yeah. money and will do your laundry. Right. right? I mean, my first housekeeper was my sister, you know? Yeah. And yeah. So, so just, I think the biggest thing is though, 
Um, sometimes we like to, we feel good because we've been busy throughout the day and doing things, but then you zoom out, you're like, okay, well, at this stage in my career, was I focused on the most impactful things mm -hmm. today? Um, so that, that's one thing. And then you, you need one more, you need one more. I would just very intentional use of time, um, mm -hmm. is just a, a biggie for me, especially with young kids. Um, each day is going to look and feel a little bit different, obviously, because, you know, life happens, things come up, but you know, I'll, I'll use an example. Like my, my wife and I go to the gym usually on every other, every other day she's going at 6am or I am. Okay. And that's hard to juggle with the young kids. Right. Um, and I, I want to make sure that I'm home most of the time to go to a sporting event or to do whatever, you know, spend time as a family. And sometimes that means I would say not sometimes, almost most of the time that my wife goes to the gym early, you know, she'll get up at 515, I pretty much get up right around that same time. I'll fire up my laptop, get caught up on emails, do a few things. And then I help get the kids going a little bit in the morning. And then she comes home, takes over and I go to the office. That gives me 45 minutes to an hour of work. And I honestly don't even mind doing it that much because it's quiet and I can have coffee and mm -hmm. um, you, can think. you can think, right? Which doesn't always happen at home with three young kids. Um, and I honestly really don't mind doing it. So that's three hours a week almost, sometimes four, where I'm able to move the needle a little bit. And that extra hour sometimes is the determining factor of me getting home in time to go to my son's baseball game or take my daughter to dance or something like that. So sometimes you just got to think out the outside the box on how you can be more intentional with, with your time. I love that. Love we that. talk about that a lot. And like the other night I was on the couch watching the prices, right. And I'm like, looking at the laundry sitting next to me and I'm like, man, I could be sitting here and folding laundry so I could be doing something I want, watching the prices right and moving the needle at the same time. So yeah. we have it stacked. We do have it stacked. Is and it time for fun questions yet? I don't know. Are there any are there any questions we skip that you think are important that our viewers need to learn or hear about? Because I'm just trying to get to the fun questions. No. Highly likes fun. I'm getting distracted by all the fun questions that are coming. So it's hard for me for me to think. No, I, I mean, in all honesty, you ladies have asked some awesome questions. I mean, the biggest thing that I'll say before we transition, you just want to make sure that you work with someone that you're comfortable with, you know, that um, that you feel like you can go to that person or that team to share things that are going on in your life. Because a financial advisor can't, help you as best as they can if you're not keeping them apprised of what's going on in life or changes or things like that. So, you know, between that and just making darn sure that you do your due diligence on whoever it is that you choose to work with, printing off those questions, like I said, on the CFP board, that's going to give you a heck of a, uh, of a guide to really make sure that you're aligning with the right folks and be okay with not knowing all the things. You don't need to be an expert in these things. That's why you have people like me and many other advisors out there who can help guide you on this stuff. You don't have to be an expert on everything. Love that. Yeah. And where can people find you? Drop your info. We're going to yep. have it in the show notes too, but what's your favorite way for them to find you? Yeah. Yep. So you can go to our website. Uh, it's centerfinplan.com. So C-E-N-T-E-R-F-I-N plan.com. Um, our office, 248-948-7900. We have offices in Southfield and Brighton. Um, we're not huge social media folks. We do a lot on like LinkedIn and things like that, just given the types of clients that we're working with. But um, we do have Facebook pages and things like that if you want to check that out. But, uh, you know, happy to be a resource at any point, um, whether it's myself or another wonderful team member. 
um, at, at, at its core, we just, we want to help people. You know, our, our mission is improving lives through financial planning done right. Mm. And so, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, we just, we want to help people and, and help you improve your life with, with money. And cause that has a trickle down effect in other aspects of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Do your fun questions. <laughs> okay. Um, who is your favorite villain and why? Hmm. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big um, movie person where there's like the superheroes or like Star Wars, stuff like that. Book, comic, movie, TV. I said Biden because everybody hates him. (laughs) (laughs) I won't go there today, but uh, I know that's at the top of the list for some folks for sure. But um, but I grew up as like this massive WWF or WWE fan. Yes, tell me more things. So The Undertaker yes! to me was like the baddest dude on the planet, you know? And I yeah. think I cried actually. My my dad, I, I stayed with him one night. He got paper, you know, back when you had to get, you know, pay-per-view, you right. paid like 50 bucks or whatever it was to watch WrestleMania. And I think it was him who beat Hulk Hogan and I was a wreck. Like I wanted to go home and go back to my, you know, my parents were are divorced. So I was like, I want to go home. I just can't sleep. The Undertaker beat, beat Hulk Hogan, all these things. But <laughs> just thinking back how he would come out and like rise out of the casket. It was so ridiculous, but he scared the hell out of me when I was a little kid. Like that, that noise that he would make when he would come out. So that's, that's something that comes to mind. Dude, we were into it. So my brother's name's Jacob. So he was yeah. Jake the Snake Roberts. And then yeah. me and my sister would be I the Bushwhackers. I love that. <laughs> We'd go run yeah. into the dance for my grandma. Oh, oh yeah. Thank you for bringing back 100%. those childhood memories. So yeah. good. So good. I just picture you with like your WrestleMania shirt on. And like, remember you could get, you could probably still get them like mm-hmm. the fake belts. Oh yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Stefan was super into it too. And I was always over at Aunt Cindy's house. And it was like, I'm like, can we watch Snow White? No, it's WrestleMania. Wrestling's <laughs> yeah. on. I'm pretty sure like, my mom still okay. has some of that stuff at at her house. That's yeah, amazing. the belts and all that stuff. Yeah. I love it so much. Yep. All right, it's your turn for a fun question. If you could tell 15-year-old Nick anything, what would you tell him? Oh, uh, probably not to be worried so much and probably to take chances a little bit more. I, I find myself, which is weird, taking chances more now that I have more responsibility in life. Um whether it's moving into a house that, you know, it's stressful and you're like, oh gosh, like, is all this going to work out? So taking chances there, you know, like I said, became a partner in in 2020. And there's obviously a large financial commitment when you do that. Um, I distinctly remember actually uh, writing a large check, taking out a large loan to buy in as a partner in about February of 2020, only for the market to go down 35% in a matter of two weeks when COVID hit. So you learn very quickly what business risk means and, but it all worked out and um, a fantastic uh, career decision that, that I made and would never take it back. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a risk, right? And, you know, looking back, I think I just stressed out too much as a teenager, you know, care too much what people thought. I mean, that's probably common for a lot of folks. That was all of us. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. everybody. And yeah. I'm with you. Like, I take way more risks now than I ever have. Like, I jumped out of a freaking plane. Like, I'm yeah. just like, it's Me too. So I've gone weird. skydiving too. Yeah. And I think over time, it's it's more of like a, co- a confidence, not cocky thing of like, yeah. look, I, I'm betting on myself on this. Like yeah. I and and my family and I know I'm betting on myself and my wife that we'll be able to figure this out. You know, yeah. well some some 
something bad might come up, but if it does, we'll deal with it and we'll we'll navigate. So. Yeah, and I think what you just said is is key part too. Like you go, you've been through bad things and made it through, right? Like you've yeah. been through COVID, you made it through. You've been through the subprime implosion, you made it through. You were broker than you are today, and right. you made it through, exactly. right? So you know, like it's yep. it's gonna be okay. Exactly, it'll all be okay. Yep, yep, yep. Well, friends, do you want to ask the last question? No, it's yours. Go ahead. Okay, we got just a few minutes. Yeah. If you had one wish, what would it be? And you can't say world peace. Yeah. No, that we'll, one's we'll avoid world, world peace. That one's played out. This one's an easy one for me. So my wife lost her parents at, at a young age. So I, I would want to spend a day with them and our kids and just have them, you know, get to experience, you know, grandma and grandpa that unfortunately they, they did not get to meet. So that, that's definitely top of the top of the list for me. It's a good wish. Yeah. It is. That's a really good wish. Yeah. This, this is why he's my money guy. Yeah. He cares. He has great wish. That was like the most yeah. selfless wish too. Like that's right. for his wife and his kids and like. Yeah, that's that's up there for me. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for stopping by and dropping all of that knowledge and just sharing your experience and getting to know us. You have definitely jogged a lot. My poor husband, um, he's going to call you and cuss you out later because I have a lot to just throw at him. And I know he's going to be grateful for I thought of you when he said the right now, the eventually in the later list. I'm like, I'm like, Ryan's going to hear that and be like, Kylie. Yeah. <laughs> do the voice. Do it. That's, like, what in the world? It's actually me because like he's the one who wants that one point eight million dollar uh compound and the boat and stuff. And I'm like, but right now we need to move out of our postage stamp size home <laughs> and get two toilets unless you're okay with shitting in the garage. Okay. And we're ready. This is what happens when Kylie gets to go off script. Going off the rails. <laughs> we love you all so much for joining us. We Thanks. hope that you had a great time and we hope that you'll come back next week. We drop fresh episodes every Thursday. We are literally everywhere. So don't forget to smash that subscribe and the share button. And uh, just leave us a note. I want to know, are you financially planning? Are you completely in the dark? If you are, give our boy Nick a call or reach out to one of those resources that we are going to have in the description. So say goodbye, Trisha. Bye. We thank you so much for joining us today on the Elite Live with Trish and Kylie. Be sure to share the episode with a friend so we can continue bringing you more great tips on grit, grace, and real estate. You can also connect with us on Instagram, Facebook. We hope the ideas we share continue to help you build an empire and leave a legacy.